Welcome back guys to another episode and um, we're here with another OG project, it's been around for a long time, most of you guys should be familiar with it. It's the second time they're on the podcast and uh, welcome back to IOTA Origin. Hello everyone, hi Tommy, pleasure to be here. Pleasure that you have here mate. Um, so I'm sure that you guys have done quite a lot of uh, different things since last time as it's been quite a while. I'm looking forward to see what improvements and um, upgrades you guys have done since that. Um, now we have EVM running, so I'm sure that it's a lot of um, cool things to talk about. Um, so just before we do go into like the different things, for the people that isn't aware what IOTA Origin is, uh, could you just give a short summary what you are building? Uh, yes, sure. So um, we started out with pricing of commodities, specifically conflict minerals from high-risk areas and uh, critical minerals uh, such, uh, such as tin, tantalum, wolfram, uh, gold and cobalt. Uh, specifically, we are working with the DLC. Um, we talked in detail about it in, I think, on the on your podcast on episode uh, 14. So I, I don't want to um, go um and 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 go through through all of it again but maybe i can give like a short update how uh yeah we we, we are working or going forward with the tracing mm. for a second like okay so uh, we have been in dlc and uh, we we talked with the partners there so mainly we work, work with mines so all the upstream uh upstream of the commodities this is mines local traders the exporters uh, NGOs on the ground and the government and now through the time uh, it evolved further to the regard that we are talking to importers and buyers uh, who are not uh, on the ground in the upstream but on the downstream so this is kind of the the yeah the the involvement we have right now it's it's very interesting because it's accelerating very fast so um, last time we, we worked with the government on the ground, um, it came to the decision to work a bit deeper together. So we have been presenting our application as a white label solution um, on an OECD forum in Paris. So the the government of DSC uh, showed more or less uh, part of our application, which we worked with them on. And also, yeah, we have kind of new partners uh, new countries. It seems like the, the the governments communicate with each other. So we have been invited by the government of Nigeria. We have pitched in front of um, the the minister of mines in Cameroon. Um, and in this regard, this is very interesting for us. And on the other hand, more the buyer side is coming from um, Abu Dhabi and Dubai, uh, with the focus of the gold sector. So this is pretty nice aligned also with the new vision of the IOTA Foundation, focusing on real world assets and um, specifically TILP uh, is very interesting for us uh, regarding the exploitation of commodities. Um, yes, so may maybe I can say something on that uh, later, later yeah. on. Yeah, perfect. Um, so for those that isn't really into this sort of product, um, why is such a product needed? So mainly um, it is 
the the law which uh, enforces that we should source and we have to source uh, conflict-free minerals and um, save the environment in this regard that we say okay we are consuming here um, these commodities but where are they coming from and which impact do they have uh, in these countries so like in DSC there are big problems regarding smuggling, regarding um, rebels uh, and getting money out of this and uh, forcing um, like impact on the on the local government. So there's no taxation. There there is no um, there is no um, involvement in the in the uh, in the how you call it. Like with the governments and the regulations, doing all this like together. No, I, I mean like the impact on the economy is not is not that good because like mm. taxes are going uh, through. Uh, there are no paid taxes, and therefore the government cannot, uh, yeah, reinvest mm. um, in, into into their communities. Yeah. So therefore, um, the tracing is very important. Yes. Um... I'm not sure. Have Have you heard the the podcast episode with Joe Rogan and Siddharth Kara? Yes, I did. Yeah. Um. So that is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, something that you guys are very involved with. So that for the people that doesn't haven't heard that episode, I recommend go checking it out because it's very interesting because it sort of gives you a very good picture about how the cobalt cobalt is a mineral which is used to to create every battery in your phone in your car whatever it is. And um, Congo holds, I think it was like 75% of the cobalt in the world. But um, for instance, BMW, Tesla, iPhone, all these guys, they say that they're clean all the way down to the mines where the cobalt comes from. But Siddharth Kara, which is an investigative journalist, went down to Congo and due to his looks, he was able to blend in and get into these mines without telling what he was actually doing. Witnessing that there's a like 14-year-old children without any any protective harness they're only in their feet no shoes digging out the cobalt they have a small child on their back while doing it it's all these chemicals and dust that they're breathing in they're like it's thousands of people every year into collapsing mines um and getting paid slim to nothing right and that sort of also shown that the slave industry is bigger now than it's ever been. It's, it's quite a lot of um, people under that, but we, we tend to think about that slavery that, that ended many years ago. And of course, if Tesla has cobalt in their, in their batteries, it must have come from probably a very safe mine, maybe in the depth of Norway where everybody's wearing uh, yellow helmets and everything is perfect. But no, it's not the thing. So I can imagine that for you guys that comes in with this traceable um, software so that people can actually see like okay it's traceable where did you come from it's come from here and come from there and people are able to tax it people are able to regulate it people are getting a lot more overview of what's actually been going on here and you're, you're able to remove those rebels because it has to be regulated or am i wrong yes um, so so the podcast is very good and his book too um, but he kind of comes to the wrong conclusion. Um, in the end, um, th th there's the problem with the tracing and also the big companies don't care a lot because the regulation enforces that you have to make a report. And that's it. So then, then NGOs 
look into the report and are reporting what is wrong in it, but there is no sanctions on on the revenue of these companies or anything. So so they just go on with it. So yeah. with the supply chain law regulation, um, it's possible for the people to sue these companies and then maybe enforce like sanctions based on the revenue. So so this is uh, what is changing right now. Um, this is important, but the conclusion um, of him is that we should source from industrial mines. And this is the wrong conclusion here because we tried to do it before already. There, we sanctioned the region um, to say, okay, we make an embargo that we are not exporting from, from these regions anymore at all. And this is where all the conflicts arise from because then the rebels took over, they financed it because international financing was not possible anymore. You, you couldn't source from them, so you couldn't hire the standards there either. Mm. So the conclusion of saying, okay, we have to go away from these mines is wrong. The conclusion should be we should have the focus on these mines, invest into these mines, mm. hire the standards, and then we can source from there and also the lo local population has something from it. The local government has something from it. And this is what I dislike uh, regarding the book and the, the podcast, to be honest, mm. we, because um, we, we, we should take it the other way. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it's no, no like logical way to just shut it down if it's like 70% of the world supply. But, uh, but for sure, yeah, do what you said, like regulate it, make it better, invest into it, like get the rebels out, start doing it properly. And I can imagine that your product is a good step towards that direction. Um, so what, what would you, you say, you're working a lot with governments and there's a lot of interest already here and there. And uh, you, you mentioned Dubai and Abu Dhabi and all that. So what type of sector do you see that there's most demand for your product right now? And like... What's the first steps for you guys to start integrating this? So, um, yeah, what we found out in the end is that the traceability for us is uh, helpful to interact with the governments regarding taxation because there uh, our interest is aligned. But what we saw either is that traceability is not a business case. So you can't charge any kind of fee on the tracing system because um, the smuggling will start again because mainly the mains, uh, the mines are paying these um, um, this revenue or this licensing. So what we said then, okay, um, let's make it for free so we have access to the mines. We can help the people that they can trace the commodities or the buyers can trace the commodities, and then show that this is an investment case, so that you can say, okay, I take international money, finance these mines. And then we bring these commodities on the market. And this is where we are focusing right now um, that we said, so we go through a process of learning. We said, okay, how, how can we uh, make the investment possible? Because these, these mines now have the papers, but the image is very bad regarding conflict mines and so on. So also the, the minister said we, we should talk about development um, commodities and not about conflict commodities. So we have to change a bit of these, uh, this mine. And um, therefore, we wanted to tokenize the mines itself to do the pre-financing. Um, and we, we were thinking about what would be the, the best case for doing it. And we, we, we are looking into NFTs to do so, because like NFTs are 
much better and programmable um, on top of than like a fungible token, which you can only exchange. But the problem with NFTs is that you have no liquidity or no market where you have efficient liquidity to exchange these um, these NFTs in the end, because it's easy to invest into uh, these mines, but how can you exit your position again? And therefore you need liquid markets. And this mm -hmm. is how we pivoted to say, okay, before we tokenize the assets, we, we need a liquid NFT market. And then we jumped on uh, working on NFT pools to make real-world assets through NFTs possible. And this is very interesting because this is also the future uh, which will arise now on the blockchain. It's the real-world assets. It could be mines, it could be commodities, it can be everything else. And these things will not trade it on DEXs. They will trade it on NFT pools because most of them, and this is like a billion dollar industry, these will be NFTs. Mm. Um, you also mentioned the UAE. As we've seen, there's been a lot of action around IOTA and the um, UAE space lately. Uh, a lot of things happening there, and one of them, one of them has been tokenizing assets, which is what you guys are doing. Um, also, the UAE is one of the biggest gold sale places in, on Earth, as far as I believe. Like the gold marks, so many gold marks. You have the souk and all that, uh, a lot of rich people. Um, and it's also sort of a, a place where traditionally it's um, it's nice to wear gold, but you don't see that in Norway too often. Um, your your product can can I if I owned a jewelry store, will I then be be able to use your product, or do I have to be like a mine or a government uh, trading these? No, so um, it's a nice question because like this is the overall goal. Um, to to get a decentralized commodity market, and it will be based in UAI. So, because as you said, um, we are entering the market through through the gold market in the end, and the UAE is the perfect place. Um, they are geopolitical. It's a very good place uh, to be for them, as they are like the door for the export from gold from Africa. They are exporting it to India and to China, and all of the gold market is going into the East. And therefore, they are well connected and have like all of the uh, infrastructure here. So what we want to do is to, to establish uh, uh, decentralized commodities exchange for B2B buyers in the end. Mm. So, so, so it should be that you say, okay, we are uh, having the commodities there like gold, uh, like cobalt. We could trace it down from uh, with our tracing system, which is then more working like an oracle that you can say, okay, the commodities are really stored here. They have been um, um, uh, mined in, in the right way. And that we can then say, okay, we, we bring them on international markets. But on the other hand, we can also give the retail investors access to this market because right now you do not have any kind of access to this commodity market so how you can invest in a ton of cobalt so what we are planning to do for the, the investment case is to say you you know maybe robin hood like the application where mm. you can trade stocks so what we want to have in the end is a robin hood for commodities so you can buy any kind of critical commodity and it's digitalized 
But if you want to have it, you could go like to the UAE, take your uh, and, and and take your physical uh, commodity out of the stockpile. So, mm. so this is what we are planning to do. And this creates spot markets. So the spot markets are very interesting for the inter- industry because they they have like, um, right now you have to make deals directly with the mines OTC. So so in the end, every, every bigger uh, buyer has like his private deals there and the, the, the exchanges are only tracing more or less the prices. Mm. but not the commodity physically so what we have here is then like physical spot markets and and this will like change uh, the the game for the industry on the other hand it's also opening up um to opening up the the sector to um retail investors so it's kind of both yeah um is it difficult to sort of attract um partners for this uh, sort of um product like because you need such high valued partners and like you can't just partner with your local jewelry store like you you do sort of need the mines the governments and all that and like it's, i can imagine it's hard to sort of reach out to gain their attention and also make them see the value of it or for am i wrong there no this is not the problem because uh, I, i was expecting it either but we have we have been in dsc and we talked to all the parties and um they they tried out our product and they love it so so in, in this regard Uh, it's nice okay but you could say if the, the pay case that you would be paid for tracing because nobody wants to pay for this licensing so so this is an issue so we tried then uh, to come back to europe to get the vcs but for them like africa is a, a close case really so i i have somebody uh, like a professor uh, from from our university uh, in aachen who also um, started a startup with in investing in Africa. And he said, like, look, if you try to, to, to raise money for, for African ventures, don't try it in Europe. So we tried already. And then they, I think they got an investor from China uh, in this regard. We, we have been like trying further to go maybe to impact funding, but also same case, 80% of the impact funds are from Europe and 80% of the funds are also going to like uh, uh, or the Western countries, let's say 80% of the, the these funds are like in Western countries and they are investing the impact funds also in Western countries. So you, they are also not in the African business. So clearly you have to go to the people who are um, have to do directly with commodity markets. And this is what we are doing. So uh, we are t- talking to people from Genf Uh, where the the biggest commodity traders are sitting we are talking to uh, gold traders uh, and refiners from dubai so this is more closely to to the market uh, and we did we should have done this earlier to be honest um, but we have these partners now and we are setting it up like uh, on scale so this is this is pretty nice so mm. i wouldn't say it would it, it's 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 too hard because in 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 talking with the governments and 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 the people they are very open because there is a need for it so this was this was not really the issue mm. yeah i can imagine that it's um it, it sounds very difficult to sort of reach out to that but it sounds really very promising that you've been able to gather those partners um also can can this sort of be integrated into different sectors as well and all the use cases such as other resources like for, for instance water food oil like even weapons maybe 
Yes, so um, our next step would be like agriculture. Um, and this is also interesting for, for maybe with TILP. Um, we have like one advisor, which, which is also kind of interesting in this space. Um, he designed in 2008 the online banking uh, for the Deutsche Bank in several uh, European countries. And he's now working for the KfW, which is like the bank of the banks of, of Germany. And they opened up um, a branch in DRC, which is recapitalizing the local banks uh, with money to lend it to um, agricultural facilities. So, and in this regard, they are also interesting in tracing systems. As well as we are talking to in Kenya uh, with part of the government, um, which wants to trace also um, agricultural products, and this is kind of interesting and aligned with TILP because, in the end, um, TILP is doing uh, the export, and in the end, what we are doing is like the the first mile of the product uh, on the ground. So we could connect these uh, beautifully. And uh, do the do the uh, tracing of these agricultural product as uh, also with commodities. And in specific, like Kenya is very interesting because I don't know uh, if you know that they signed a free trade agreement with Europe like five months ago. Mm. So this means like the trade capacity over the next years should rise dramatically. Mm. And also Kenya is kind of interesting uh, regarding industrial products because you see in China, uh, the wages are going up and they are starting to uh, rebuild facilities in uh, yeah, low wage countries like Kenya. So, so this is just the start of, of like a new, uh, a new economy in this area. And Kenya is also part of the um, East African community, um, which is um, like, um, yeah, it's, it's not a free trade zone yet, but um, it's an agreement between like East, Afri uh, East African countries like Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, Burundi, Rwanda to have uh, its own currency, to have its own tolls, like a toll union. And also um, the DSC as should join this union uh, in the next decades, I think. And it could be interesting to have like this setup there with the IOTA Foundation and TILP because this region will really grow fast uh, over, over the next years. And having DSC into this um, trade zone is kind of interesting because DSC will deliver this um, commodities like Rwanda is like more or less the uh, African it's an African Switzerland so they will finance it and you will do the export uh, through uh, Uganda Tanzania and Kenya so so this setup is, is, is really really promising so I, I'm a big fan of the Utah Foundation uh, having this great ties um, um, to Kenya and uh, focusing now also on on rebuild assets and exportation of these assets because it it, it just fits beautifully uh, in the in the bigger picture. Mm.
Yes, yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting what we're seeing in Africa now and be able to remove all that corruption and starting to do the potential that Africa actually has. It's um, it's it's very immense, the, the potential that is in Africa. Um, when do you think we were able to see some first launches from you guys? Like what do we have to look forward to now in the short term future? So um, on the Shima EVM, because like um, we have the same thing like with EPSI, uh, if you work with governments, it, it takes time. So we said, okay, while we are getting all the papers done about the tracing, um, we, let's build the infrastructure for the reward assets tokenization. Uh, as I said before, like most of these uh, reward assets will be NFTs, and therefore you need liquid NFT markets. So our focus was um, to to bring to Shimmer EVM NFT pools. Uh, within you can trade right now different NFT collections. Um, and have a liquid market for them. So maybe I, I, I can just explain a bit about it because it's already live. It's uh, snippool.xyz. Uh, so you can already play around with it and maybe I can just explain how it works mm. uh, so we can, can go through. Okay, so um, yeah, let's maybe um, go deeper into, into the NFT pools. So you can you create a shimmer and uh, a, a pair of shimmer and NFTs, and you can choose how much shimmer and NFTs you are providing to the pool. And in the end, people can trade against this pool. So as a liquidity provider, you can uh, set the, these two amounts. You can set the start price in which it should be traded and also the delta. Um, the delta in the end is the price change. So we, we define it through a linear curve and an exponential curve. But mainly what this means is like a linear curve is a price rise in absolute numbers. So if the start price is, I say, 1,000 shimmer for an NFT and somebody buys an NFT from it and the delta is like 100 shimmer, then the price rises 100 uh, shimmer. So the next price is 1,100 for an NFT. The next price would be 1,200 for an NFT. So the price is rising on a linear curve uh, 100 shimmer each time an NFT is bought, or if somebody is selling against the pool, then each time uh, the price is falling 100 shimmer. So it's a 900 shimmer, 800 shimmer, and so on. And the exponential curve is just saying the same, but uh, in a percentage wise. So if you say the delta is 10%, so you sell the first NFT for 1000, so the next one will be uh, 1100. And then you would say, okay, the next one. Uh, would be then ten thousand uh, two hundred and ten. So it's just an exponential uh, price change or a linear price change which you can set up, mm. and that's it. That's it already. And what it helps for is to provide liquid floor prices because in NFT markets what you have is that you list NFTs and you can't sell it and you have to wait and then to to make it maybe fast. You, you, you set it under the floor price, but it's not really a floor price because it's also not liquid. And then you hope that somebody will buy it under the floor price because you want to sell it fast. And through these pools, um, you are able to instant sell. And this is kind of important um, for the conviction in this young market. Because like I said before, if you invest in a space, which is rather illiquid, and you cannot exit your position, then you will not invest in the first place. So mm -hmm. what the pools enable are like these uh, NFT floor prices. And you can use it for real-world assets or for your collection. 
right? So you have your um, collectible NFTs and you can trade them uh, in the end with with the floor prices. And this is also interesting maybe for for um, for, for for people who are trading collectibles because the, mostly if you have like you cannot trade rare NFTs with it because you if you sell you know if you sell your rare NFT for the floor price you make a loss. But it's rather interesting if you say okay maybe I I uh, trade like five floor NFTs which are worth one rare NFT but therefore I have like the instant liquidity. So you can also not sell a part of your rare NFT, right? So if you say, okay, I have a super rare NFT, but I need a tenth of my money, you you cannot divide this NFT. So maybe for you, floor trading is interesting, having 10 NFTs and saying, okay, I can sell one instantly, and then I have one tenth of my money. Um, and this is, this is like a setup we have. And on top of it, uh, we introduce NFT liquidity mining. Um, so in the end, while you providing your shimmer assets and your nft assets into the pool uh, you are able to farm our uh, native token which is our reos so this should incentivize uh, more liquidity for the uh, nft floor prices and then we have like uh, special utilities for the token uh, which maybe i can uh, yeah, talk later on but so mm. more or less the nft pools are very important to provide liquidity in the nft markets yeah. yeah, just feel free to, to talk about the token as well. Okay, so uh, yeah, then let's jump into the token. So um, a bit about the tokenomics. Um, it's mainly based that the our native token will go through uh, uh, to the community through NFT liquidity mining. So what we are setting up is um, a leaderboard for the high volume collections because we want to be or favor everyone who is innovative and we are not deciding who is innovative so we don't want to de decide also who should get the token and mostly you, you you can set like okay how how you can define what is innovative and you can say okay the highest volume seems to be the most innovative product because the most people are trading it or want to have it so there's the product market fit for this for this collection or for this nft and therefore uh, these collections should get our um our our reos token in form of the liquidity mining so we will have a leaderboard which will uh, change monthly based on uh, on the volume so if a new collection arrives on the on the marketplace and uh, the volume is keeping up and you are getting under the top 20 uh, in the leaderboard then you will be able to farm also the reos token and this way new collection can come to the marketplace and maybe collections which are already like outdated or maybe where there's no progress, they will fall out of the leaderboard and they will not get um, further incentives. And on the other hand, we have a leaderboard for mints. And this is also interesting because mostly NFT projects have a problem in bootstrapping liquidity. So it's, it's, it's hard for them to compete with all the mints and we say, okay, uh, we have the leaderboard for it, that if you mint in Aureus token, um, so the people who are having the token can have an, like a free access to your NFT, then you will also be able to get uh, 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 bootstrap by our um, uh, Aureus incentive program through liquidity mining. 
So the people or the 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 the, the owner of the collection can then say, okay, uh, I have a uh, higher API um, through the incentive program through the Arrays token than somebody who is not minting in Arrays, and therefore will be bootstrapped and the liquidity through the customers who are uh, also in favor to provide liquidity to this mint then. And in the next step, they should be then also coming into the NFT volume leaderboard. So this is kind of interesting for the users because they will be able uh, to farm our reels and to have access to the new innovative mints because this is also interesting. We don't want to... We don't want to decide what is innovative in the end, right? So everybody can come, mint a collection, and then the market will decide if it's good or not, based main, mainly on the volume. So, so, so the, 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 the user has the possibility to, to get into the NFTs um, for free. Then he can um, get revenue from the fees because he's providing the liquidity and also farm Aureus. And then normally um, he should hold it because the new mint will come, which maybe brings a new innovation and maybe a new revenue. And on the other hand, the, the collections which are minting in Aureus uh, maybe want to hold the token because in the next case, what we will do is that they will get government uh, gov uh, governance rights. So this means that um, they will have the power it's it's called like a v token system they will have the power together then uh with the users this is like the the next iteration of the leaderboard to say okay if you stake your arrears token you can decide where the nft liquidity uh rewards are going so it's not then based on the leaderboard anymore but you say okay uh, I'm a big um, holder of, of the Aureus token and I'm committed to a specific uh, collection and I want to get them the most rewards. Therefore, they will have a higher API than the other uh, um, pools, NFT pools, um, and therefore attract also um, yeah, more volume, more investors. And it's, it's kind of an interesting mechanic which is favoring innovation through it. So, so in the end, the user will be part of of an um, open process where where the most innovative project wins. And it's not like you have a token and we burn it or we you you lock it up for something that 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 the price rises through through um, low supply on the market. No, this is like really driven through the you know through the innovation through new products. Um, based on these leaderboards and um, the volumes. Mm. Yeah, so it's uh, there's quite a lot of stuff happening around. Um, I think that we're going to enter into a very interesting period now that we're getting close to IOTA 2.0. We've we gotten EVM on the Shimmer uh, network. we got all of these uh, different projects such as yourself releasing and uh, making great progress. Um, all the time improving. So I, th I think that we have so many things coming up in the close future to actually look forward to and start interacting with. Um, so if so if anyone out there found this very interesting, uh, want to learn more about IOTA Origin, they want to get in contact with you, maybe they want to do partnership with you, how did they find more information about you and how did they get in contact with you? Um, yeah, we are very active on, uh, on the Discord. So... 
mainly uh, I would recommend to to come to our Discord or um, send us a message on on, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, then then we can talk to each other and yeah, discuss uh, possibilities for future operation. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Um, once again, mate, thank you so much for taking the time and come and talk to us. And I'm um, looking forward to see your next update. And we'll do another one down the road. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Cheers. <laughs>